0: and faith all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Bible reading tonight is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. We're continuing our series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been looking at some of the issues that the church has been facing and we in chapter 8 tonight are looking at the issue of food as sacrifice to idols. So if you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page uh, 1136. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, reading from verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Uh, This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not command us to God, we are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does uh, not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an adult temple, will he not be encouraged stumble. Is it right for Christians uh, to watch a movie that contains coarse language? Is it right for Christians uh, to go to a nightclub? Is it right for Christians to go to the horse track on Melbourne Cup to watch the races? Is it right for Christians to enjoy hunting? Is it right for Christians to receive a blood, a blood transfusion? Is it right for Christians uh, to use contraceptives? Is it right for Christians to enjoy playing video games? Is it right for Christians to celebrate Christmas Day? How do we answer these questions? How would you answer these questions? There are subjects on which the Bible is very clear. Is it right for a Christian to lie or steal or murder? Well, the Bible is very clear. The answer is no. Is it right for a Christian to meet with the people of God on Sunday night for worship? Uh, The answer is clearly yes. But how about those areas on which the Bible does not necessarily speak directly about, or clearly about, how do we handle these questions? Well, the Christians uh, living in Corinth had similar questions, and they brought their questions to the Apostle Paul for advice and counsel. Uh, We read, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Jordan preached on this passage last week. We read there in verse 1, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So they wrote a letter to Paul, and they listed their questions, and there in chapter 7, the question was this, Um, matters to do with relationships and marriage and singleness. So they brought their questions to Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, they have a different question. The question concerns food offered to idols. Is it right or wrong for believers to eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? And what if their friends from church invite them over for a meal and they are served food that has been sacrificed to idols. Should they eat or should they abstain? Or maybe it's not a matter of right or wrong, maybe it's a matter of wisdom and discernment and love and consideration for those around us in the church. Uh, these are some of the questions that they had. So now is it it is true that the subject of food offered to idols uh, may not be or may not seem very relevant for Christians living in Melbourne in 2023, but hopefully. Uh, we can learn from the principles that Paul uses in this chapter to help us answer the questions that we might have, or may not have, uh, that are more relevant for us today. So let us look at our passage together. The first principle, I've just called it, uh, biblical knowledge is important. So we we'll start with this, point number one, biblical knowledge is important. On any given issue, we should always, should always be asking, what does the Bible say? Now, as Paul says in verse 1, knowledge, even though it is Biblical knowledge, can sometimes lead to pride. It can lead to arrogance. It can make someone feel theologically superior to someone else. Paul says in verse 1 that this knowledge puffs up, makes someone proud and arrogant. It has this capacity of making someone proud. Uh, And this uh, was most probably the case in the church at Corinth. But what Paul is not saying is that biblical knowledge is not important. So we should not read this verse, uh, verse 1, this knowledge puffs up but love builds up and think that somehow knowledge is wrong and that somehow Paul is advocating a kind of all you need is love philosophy to life. So biblical knowledge is important. In fact, the Bible uh, should always be our first port of call on any given issue or question that we might have. On any given topic, our practice should be to go to the Word of God. For answers. this should be uh, the first thing we do. So whether we are dealing with the cult or personality in the church, we've looked at that and we went 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1. Whether we are dealing with immorality in the church, or conflict, or lawsuits between brothers, or or drinking, or social dancing, or maybe music, the kind of music that we listen to, we ought to be asking ourselves, what does the Bible say? Now the Bible may not speak directly about some of the issues that we've raised before in those examples that I've given, but the principle still applies. Biblical knowledge is of primary importance. And Paul agrees, so please look with me at what he says in verses 4 to 6. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol uh, has no real existence. What does he do? He, he goes to his theology. And there is no God but one. For, for although there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom... We exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. So what is Paul doing here? Well, in effect, he's agreeing and confirming uh, the biblical understanding that an idol is nothing. So he's trying to wrestle with this question of food offered to idols. He goes back to what he knows about God, and he says, well, an idol is nothing, because there is no such thing as a little g-god. There is only one God, and He has revealed Himself to us in the Bible. But before we go any further, it's probably helpful to say something about the context. Now, in Corinth, uh, there were two main avenues, two main ways for people to buy meat. So the first option was this uh, you would go to the marketplace, and you get your meat directly from the merchants. This would cost you more but you would know that the meat has not been sacrificed to idols. Uh, but not everyone would be able to afford it. So that's option one. You go straight to the, to the merchants, you go to the marketplace, the agora, and you buy your meat there. It's not been sacrificed to idols. Uh, it's more expensive and, not, and most people wouldn't be able to afford it. But the second option was this. You could buy your meat from the local pagan temples. And Corinth was a city filled with temples and shrines and sanctuaries. So you could go there and people, idol worshippers, would bring animals to the temple uh, to offer as a sacrifice to their so-called gods. And part of the animal uh, would be burnt in offering to to Zeus, for example, or Hermes, or Aphrodite, or Jupiter, or whichever name the god has. And part of the meat uh, would go to the pagan priests for their work And their service and the rest of the meat would be sold at a much cheaper rate than at the local market. So two ways, you go straight to the to the merchants or you go to the temples and so for some of the Christians living in Corinth it was a no-brainer. It could have even been an issue of good stewardship. Why pay more to get your meat from the market when you can save money and buy your meat from the temple. So based on their understanding of the Bible, some of them bought their meat at the pagan temples. And as Paul himself says in verses 4-6, which we've just read, an idol has no real existence. An idol is nothing. There is only one God. So food offered to a piece of wood, or a piece of stone, or a piece of marble, crafted into a statue that was a representation of a so-called non-existent God was nothing. It could not contaminate anyone in any way. It was just meat. So the stronger brothers in the faith saw that as an opportunity to be good stewards. They went to the pagan temple, bought their meat there. And no questions asked it was a no-brainer for them. Easy. Uh, to eat meat offered to idols or not to eat meat offered to idols was a morally neutral thing. Look at what Paul says in verse 8. Food will not command us to God, we are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. In other words, the eating of food in this context, whether offered to idols or not, has no bearing upon our relationship with God. Let me put it another way so as to, to bring out, I think, a different principle that is also important for us to, to understand here um, as we come to those difficult questions of life. Uh, here is another principle, and it is, it's this one. Is this, is this something that is essential to our understanding of God and the gospel? So in this particular context, it's food, it's meat offered to idols. And Paul says, well, it's morally neutral. You know, whether you eat or you do not eat, it doesn't do anything to you, for God or against God, it's morally neutral. So the the question from that is, for us to ask ourselves, is this something that is essential to our understanding of God and the Gospel? Is this something that is essential to our understanding of the faith? Is this a salvation issue, or is this a matter of secondary importance? You know, the question is, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the doctrine of God? Or are we talking about whether the curtain seems to be green or yellow? or red. That kind of a thing. So when we are faced with those difficult questions in life, we need to ask ourselves, is this something that is essential to our understanding of Christianity, or is this something that is peripheral and therefore not essential to our faith? Is this a salvation issue or a secondary issue? Now the other question to ask is this, is this something that is morally binding, or is this something that is morally neutral? like the, the model of car that you drive. And again, the first principle applies. What does the Bible say? So principle number one, uh, what do we know from the Bible? Biblical knowledge matters. Doctrine matters. What is, uh, which is exactly what Paul uh, does in verses 46. He reminds the believers living in Corinth that there is one God. He reminds the Corinthians that idols are nothing. So, as he's addressing this question, he reminds them there is only one God. Idols are nothing. Imagine the shock that this message would have caused in a city like Corinth with its temples and shrines and statues. Imagine how unpopular and controversial and countercultural this would have been to declare that there is only one God, the God of the Bible, and one Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. Caesar is not Lord. No earthly ruler is Lord. No political leader is Lord. There is only one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul then says that the God of the Bible made the world. The so-called gods of the Greco-Roman world are nothing. Zeus is nothing. Aphrodite is nothing. Hermes is nothing. Jupiter is nothing. Just the figment of man's imagination. So though the debate is about eating food offered to idols, Paul's biblical knowledge of the Bible, his biblical knowledge of God and creation, are what is going to help him here and help the church at Corinth. So I, even though he's answering this question uh, to do with food offered to idols, it seems like a secondary issue, but Paul brings in his understanding of God, his understanding of creation, to answer those questions. So the first principle is, what does the Bible say? Now the, um, let me find this. I'm lost a bit in my notes here. Now the believers uh, living at Corinth are uh, they being set free in Christ uh, from all food laws and all food restrictions? The uh, the dark days of spiritual ignorance are behind them. Uh, they don't need to live in the fear of false God. And uh, no food can make them more or less acceptable before God. Jesus Himself said in Mark chapter seven, "Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him?" since it enters into his but heart, but his stomach and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. So the immediate application is that there is nothing intrinsically wrong in eating food offered to idols. Jesus spoke about this. But the greater application is that in our lives as Christians, uh, we need knowledge, biblical knowledge, that would help us understand and answer those questions we need to grow in our knowledge of the bible so that we might be better equipped to honor god with our lives so that we might make better decision informed decision wise decision to those difficult questions that comes up the bible does not encourage ignorance christianity is not against learning and knowledge on the contrary we are encouraged in the Bible to grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom and discernment. We are encouraged to meditate upon God's Word. Not just read it and put it away, to meditate upon it. We are encouraged to grow in maturity of faith. And Jesus speaking to his disciples, I think it's printed in front of the pulpit there, to his disciples said to them that by understanding the truth of God's Word, that this is how they will be set free. But here is the problem. Here was the problem. At Corinth their knowledge led them to become proud and arrogant and selfish and indifferent to the needs of others. Their knowledge, instead of building people up, was tearing people down. It was hurting people, which leads us to our second point tonight. Knowledge must be seasoned with love and humility and patience and consideration For others. So Paul is not saying that knowledge is wrong even though it can lead to arrogance. Knowledge is good and Paul says now, knowledge must be seasoned with love. So our second point tonight. The pastoral issue was that there was a clash, a potential division in the church between those who had no qualms at eating food offered to idols and those with a weaker conscience. Paul describes them as uh, the weaker brothers in verse seven. Please look in your Bible with me at verse seven. However, not all possess this knowledge. So Paul is talking to the church and saying to them, "Now, not, not everyone understands this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled." So Paul says to the believers at Corinth that not everyone in the church possessed this knowledge. In other words, there were some believers in the church who have not yet come to terms with the truth that idols were nothing, and that food sacrificed to idols could not harm them. Their conscience would not allow them to eat food offered to idols. Paul says in verse 7 that it's because of their all life and their all association with idols. And we can imagine, for example, someone who used to be a pagan priest serving in the pagan temples. They've been exposed to idolatry all their lives. They've, saw, they've seen the sacrifices and the blood every day. They saw the immorality associated with temple worship and the prostitute at the temple every day. They saw the spiritual darkness of it all. And now, by God's grace, their eyes have been opened to the truth of the Gospel. And you can imagine, they don't want to have anything to do with the old life anymore. And they are not comfortable at all eating food offered to idols. Their conscience would not allow it. Think of someone who has been converted from Hinduism, for example, or Islam. Imagine how they might struggle if you invite them to your place for a barbecue And all you've got there set up for them is beef, and pork sausages, and lots of meat. And Paul says to those with a stronger conscience, in verse 9, take care that this right of yours, this freedom that you have in Christ, take care that it does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. It is a way for Paul to remind them that though in Christ they have a right to eat food offered to idols, they need to think of their weaker brother or sister in Christ. Believers have a common responsibility towards each other, to build each other up in the faith, to be an encouragement to each other rather than being a stumbling block to each other. And Paul goes as far as to say in verse 13, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble." In other words, Paul is prepared to become a vegetarian for the sake of his weaker brother. He's prepared to give it away, to give away meat, to protect his brother in the faith. This is the loving thing to do. In fact, Paul even says in verse 12, that to make a brother stumble in this way is to sin against them, and to sin against Christ. Paul says that when we are insensitive to the spiritual needs of our brother, when we act in a way that hurts the conscience of a brother, when by our actions we cause them to stumble in their faith, Paul says that we are sinning not only against them but against Christ. And we ought to repent of this and ask God to forgive us. Paul says to the church in verse eleven. That this is a brother for whom Christ died. This is a believer for whom Christ gave his life. And if Christ was willing to give up his life for the sake of this brother, for the sake of their salvation, shouldn't we be willing to give up our comforts for the sake of others in the church? And Paul gives us an example of sacrificial living in the next chapter, in chapter 9. There in this chapter... Uh, Paul is making this uh, claim that as a servant of the gospel uh, he has a right uh, to be supported by the church uh, financially, but he gave away that right. So uh, in chapter 9, reading from verse 11, this is what Paul says. He's trying in chapter 9 to illustrate the principle that he's talked about in chapter 8. So in chapter 9, reading from verse 12, Paul says, if we have sown spiritual things among you, in other words, if we've come to you and we've Preach the gospel and we've talked to you about Jesus, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Is it too much to us that you support us in the gospel? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? But then Paul then goes on to say, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. We have not made use of this freedom. But we endured anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel, in the the gospel of Christ. Paul was prepared to forgo the financial support he ought to receive from the church for the sake of the gospel. He didn't want people to think that he was in ministry to make money. So he gave away his right to be supported by the church for the sake of the weaker brother who might think that he is in ministry to fill his pockets. Paul says in uh, chapter 9 in verse 22, he says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. Paul knew that in Christ he was allowed to be financially supported by the church. He knew all the freedom and the rights that he had in Christ. And yet for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the loss, for the sake of the weaker brother, for the sake of evangelism, he was willing to give it all away and adapt. And this is Paul's arguments here. Knowledge must be seasoned with love and consideration for others, with Patience for the sake of the weaker brother. Um, Paul is not saying we ought to compromise on the truth. He's saying that knowledge uh, must be applied using wisdom and discernment. Not all believers possess the same knowledge and spiritual maturity. We should all be growing. we should all be growing in spiritual maturity, but we do not all grow in the same measure. And Paul reminds the stronger believers in verse two that they themselves should not boast in their knowledge, I mean chapter 8, those two, uh, because we all ultimately are in the process of learning. No one knows in an absolute way. There are areas of the faith that is still obscure to us. No one can say that they've got nothing more to learn. So our knowledge should humble us. The more we Learn about God's Word, the more we realize how little we know. That's certainly my experience when I was at Bible College. Coming from overseas, I I often tell that story. First day at Bible College, so I was given a tour of the college. Uh, One of the registrar there, uh, John Wilson, the Reverend John Wilson, took me for a tour of the college. And one of the first places he took me was the theological library. So I walked in. And, uh, and John said to me, here is the library, you can come in here, I will do a call for you, you can borrow the books. And I said, well, which one of the shelves are the Christian books? He said to me, oh, well, they're they all, they all biblical books. And I was like, so you're saying, every, every shelf? Like, I, I just thought, like, you know, back in Mauritius, there's a big library and maybe a row in a shelf. Is, but then, here was a whole, a whole library with books about archaeology, about Hebrew, and and Greek and anything you want to think about, in, about Christ and Christianity, all there. And for a minute, I thought, this is, this is just the best place in the world. This is great. But the second after that, I realised, I realised, oh, how little did I know? I remember, I still remember it today, when I had to fill out these application forms. At some point in there, they say to you, what have you read lately? There's a couple of lines there. I think I've filled out two books. And basically, the books that I've read was on my uncle's uh, shelf, who was an elder in the church, and I've read all of them. So I put some of them there. And then I come and I saw the future library, and I'm thinking, how little, how unlearned. Uh, So no one can boast. There's always something to learn. So Paul reminds us that our knowledge should humble us and remind us that we are all learning. Our knowledge is limited and will always be in this life. So we should not look down on others, for we ourselves don't know all there is to know. Now, because we are doing an overview of the letter of Paul to Corinth, we cannot go in all the details. But two things in closing. and They're both in chapter 10. Uh, so let me please close with those two verses from chapter 10 and hopefully they can help us, they can add uh, to those principles that we've learned in chapter eight. Uh, how do we answer those difficult questions of life? that we may or may not have, or that may may or may not be so clearly answered for us in the Bible. So two verses from chapter 10. Uh, The first one is uh, verse 23. So let me read this uh, for us. Uh, Paul says there, he's quoting them. He says to them, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Now, in this verse, uh, what Paul is doing is saying to the church at Corinth, you say to me that all things are lawful, and therefore we should just do them. But Paul says, well, what we should also be asking is, are all things helpful? Do all things build up? Paul is not necessarily agreeing with them that uh, when they say that all all things are lawful. He just wants them to think about whether all things are actually Helpful, and edifying. So you can examine your own life and ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing helpful? Is what I'm doing edifying? Am I using my freedom in Christ in a way that is helpful, and uplifting, and edifying towards others? So when you've come back after work, and you turn on your PlayStation 5, and you start playing around 10, and then you look at your watch and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, ask yourself the question. Was that a define? I picked that as an example because that, that used to be me. So that's just in case you thought I was having a go at you. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, uh, do all to the glory of God. So here is another question for us. Is what I'm doing bringing glory to God? And if we say yes, then the next question is how? In what way? So to conclude, here are a few principles from 1 Corinthians. To help us navigate those questions that come up in life, what does the Bible have to say on the subject? Knowledge matters. We need biblical knowledge and wisdom to guide us in our thoughts and our decision-making in life. Am I applying my knowledge of the Bible with love, and patience, and humility in order to encourage and win my brother over, or am I being a stumbling block to those around me? Are my actions building people up, or causing my brother to stumble in their faith? Is this a matter that is essential to the faith? Is this something that is a non-negotiable? Or is this something that is peripheral, a secondary issue? Does this fall within the category of Christian freedom? Is this something that is morally binding or is this something that is morally neutral? Is this something that is helpful and beneficial and edifying and encouraging to those around us? And lastly, is this something that glorifies God? And if yes, how? So may the Lord give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge and understanding and patience and humility and love towards all those whom he brings into our lives. And uh, may we do all things for the glory of his name. Amen.